Well, hello again. You know, it's just, I was just thinking, it's so good that you're here. It's, we have, we're so blessed with such an amazing church family, so thank you for coming out today. And even, you know, the people at home, thank you for being here. Um, yeah, it's just good. So let's, let's just take a moment and pray before we get started with the message. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for this church family. Some of us are here, some of us are at home, some of us are just not feeling good. And so I ask that you are with us all. And we, we just ask that you are with us here this morning, that you are here, and that you would enlighten us to your message. Let us hear not only with our ears, but with our hearts as well. Let us hear and understand as we open your word today. May you increase and I decrease. May the words I speak be your words and not mine. Thank you for loving the least of these, the marginalized and the unnoticed. Because they are noticed by you. In your name we pray. Amen. The scripture that I've chosen for today, well, actually, um, the scripture that God has impressed upon my heart to share this message. So actually, I just chose to follow his leading with this scripture. The scripture for, the, for today draws from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42 as a whole. This is an exciting section of scripture. Have you ever been excited to dig in to a scripture passage? That's how I was when I was working on this. Although the scripture has so much, there's so much involved that we could share, it could actually be a series, actually. Um, I am just going to touch on some of the interesting points that God has really revealed to me. What really drew me to this scripture passage is verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshiper will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worship worshipers the Father seeks. So this got me digging. What exactly does spirit and truth mean? Well, come along with me on this journey this morning and allow this message to speak to you. Let it become more than just a story of a woman and Jesus talking at a well. Oh yeah, and fun fact, this well isn't just any old well, it's Jacob's well. We are going to read this scripture this morning, so if you have your Bible, please open to John chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 1. And I actually have a friend of mine, Autumn, is going to help me read this today. So follow along in your Bibles. You can send it here if you want. All right. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing, baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had gone 
he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. The for, the, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. So the Samaritan woman awakens as she does every other day. We imagine from the text that she is a marginalized woman. She is not socially accepted, maybe doesn't even really belong. People know her history, at least some of it, and have passed judgment on her. The woman goes about her business, feeling lonesome, as the other women laugh and walk together to the well for the water that they will need for the day. She waits as the sun grows warmer, then it's her turn. She grabs her water jar, like every other day, sets out alone, reminded of her sin, her 
uncleanliness, her loneliness. Little does she know, today will be different. She is about to be changed. This text is about transformations, a theme that recurs, reoccurs throughout the opening chapters of John. Jesus changes water into wine in chapter 2. Jesus proclaims a change from the physical temple to the temple of his body. Jesus teaches that those born of the flesh must be transformed into those having been born of the Spirit, as he's talking with Nicodemus in chapter 3. Now, Jesus transforms conventional expectations. Jews don't even speak or get along with Samaritans, let alone ask for something like a drink. As we travel through this message, keep in mind the gospel changes everything. Gospel means, kids, gospel means, thank you. And good news is about who? Jesus? Yes. And Jesus changes everything. So here is some background and a little history. Normally, it is not necessarily, excuse me, it is not necessary to go through Samaria when traveling to Judea, from Judea to Galilee. Many Jews would take the longer route that bypassed the unclean land of Samaria. Did Jesus have a reason for traveling through Samaria? Past Jacob's well? Did he have a plan to speak to this woman at this moment in time? I have a video that I would like to share with you. It's actually from the series The Chosen. I was researching this video, I was researching this story, and this video actually said what I wanted to say, only better. And it also involved a clip that I wanted to share with you. So it's a little over six minutes, but it's really, it's a neat video, so I hope you enjoy it. So we're going to play it right now for you. We're here in Jerusalem, and uh, one of the things that we got to visit the other day is Jacob's Well. Now, they wouldn't let us film much there, so that's why we're here talking about it. This is not Jacob's Well, but we were able to see this the other day, and that is the site of one of my favorite Bible stories. Would you give me a drink? The two main reasons why I love that story so much are, one, that it broke down racial and religious barriers, that he would speak to a Samaritan woman, and then, number two, that he spoke to a woman. That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask her to drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. A Jewish man and a Samaritan woman talking was very, very much against culture, both racially and gender-wise. This was at a time of day when there was no one else around. Normally, the women would go together in the morning before it was too hot. She was there by herself. Because of her checkered past, she was disrespected in that town, and Jesus knew that. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? The text tells us that Jews didn't have dealings with Samaritans. Now, why? why? And there was a great enmity that existed between the two because 
the Samaritans believed that the Jews had corrupted the Torah. Jews believed that God had chosen David and his descendants to be the leaders of the people. The Samaritans thought they were the ones and their descendants were called to be the leaders of the people, that the priesthood was meant to be the center. Okay, so this is sounding, I'm going to stop you for a second there because this is sounding like today. I mean, there was, I mean, even being here in in Jerusalem, I'm seeing, looking over the city, literal divisions where this is where these people belong and this is where these people belong. So this was happening even back then. Absolutely. Jews worship on Mount Moriah, on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The Samaritans said, no, it's on Mount Gerizim. That's where we're supposed to worship. They had all of these religious differences that led to this hostility that existed between them. And what I love about it is that Jesus, Yeshua, didn't allow any of this to stop him. In fact, I think he intentionally wanted to cross these racial barriers, these religious barriers, these gender barriers, to show that God is for everyone and that he is a uniter and not a divider. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. Jesus verbalized for the first time, I am the Messiah, I am he, were the words, to this woman that no one liked and no one wanted who was by herself at a well. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. To tell this type of a story through the eyes, and in my case, through the eyes of... And, uh, of a woman who didn't get a chance to really be seen, you know? So this is just, it's, it's powerful. I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. God the Father in the Old Testament seemed to choose a lot of people who we wouldn't have normally expected. People who were not well-spoken in the case of Moses, people who were not maybe strong kings. He oftentimes humbled the strong kings. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like Jesus was carrying that tradition of choosing the the, the people you'd least expect. What What must the disciples have been thinking when they come back and Jesus is talking to a Samaritan female? Yeah, they probably were not too happy. I mean, it would have been immodest for him to be alone talking to a woman in general. But I think the point of what he's trying to do is that he came to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom. And here's the good news, right? In the kingdom, there is no racism. There is no division. There is no gender divide. There is no racial or ethnic divisions. That he came that we might become one new man, Jew and Gentile, man and woman, in the Messiah. And if there is none of those things in heaven, and we're called to proclaim and bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, those things can exist in our hearts, they can exist in our homes, and they can exist in our communities of faith. And that's so meaningful to me. And I, and I, one of the main reasons I'm doing The Chosen is not just to tell the story of Jesus, but to make sure that the story of Jesus actually resonates in today's time. We live in some of the most divided times ever all around the world and in America. People are intentionally putting up barriers, whereas Jesus intentionally crushed those barriers. The time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth heart and mind. That, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. One of the cool things about this story, too, is that the Samaritan woman was someone who was rarely seen or known. She was kind of an outcast in society because of her past. 
Jesus saw her and knew her. He knew things about her that no one else did. It's how she actually knew that he was the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. She became like the first prophet in many ways of his, of his, uh, the fact that he was the Messiah. She went and told the town of Samaria and the people started to gather because they knew that this was the Messiah because she said, he knew all about my past. He knew what I had done and Jesus loved her anyway and spoke to her anyway, breaking down so many racial and gender barriers. It was unbelievable and it happened right in the spot. Oh, he must be the Christ. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. <laughs> if our show, The Chosen, can do that same thing by showing the example of Christ to today's society in a way that we can get to know each other better because of the example of Jesus, we can change the world. Jesus makes some parallels between the well water and living water. Well water is necessary for life and is temporary. Living water is necessary for eternal life and is everlasting. I like how Jesus knows just how to explain things on a level that we can understand. That makes sense to us. Water is needed for all life. Without water, we die. Water from Jesus, living water, equals spiritual life. Without spiritual living water, we die. Water is a basic need, gushing up to eternal life. Water sustains life. Water sustains, living water sustains spiritual life. What happens if we share that water? Here's an idea. As soon as the woman asks for living water, Jesus tells her to go and tell her, her, go and bring her husband there. What if living water is meant to share after we receive it? Water, we try to keep to ourselves, is no longer living water. It becomes still and stale, as if sitting in a cistern. Only water that is moving and flowing outward is living water. John 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of this feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart flows living, flows rivers of living water. Let's take a look at the woman and why she's part of this story. We know that Jews and Samaritans do not get along. A Jew man should never be talking to a woman alone in public, let alone a Samaritan woman, especially not a sinful woman. She's an outcast. Why would anyone want to talk to her? They begin a dialogue, both asking meaningful questions. She shows spiritual thirst as she talks to Jesus. What is anticipated through the whole story is the woman is changing. She met the Messiah. She goes from outcast, shamed, to a witness. She declares to everyone she meets, the Messiah has come. Come and see. She went from outcast to chosen. 
She shares the good news and has changed. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can't you just hear her? And he loves me anyway, and he chose me. We, you and me, we can be changed by having a conversation with Jesus or about Jesus. You cannot come to Jesus and not be changed. The gospel changes everything. Have you let Jesus give you living water? Do you have living water inside of you? Do you share that life-giving water with a dry and parched world? Throughout this conversation, God is exposing his heart so it can be seen for the abundant love that it holds. Remember, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Jesus is fully man and fully God. John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is God in the flesh. In John 4, verses 21 through 26, it begins to reveal the good news. We're going to read it together. Um, I know we just read through, but I would like to just take a moment to focus on this. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn to chapter 4 in John, and starting at verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for, salva for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Did you get that? Did you get in verse 26? I am. I am he. Jesus is God. We know this because it's supported in the Old Testament as well. Exodus 3, verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. God in the flesh reveals himself to an outcast, a sinner. She is who Jesus came for. For God so loved the world, he came for all of us. He loves all of us. How can we keep this good news to ourselves? I am is Emmanuel. When we meet Jesus, we begin to be changed. In verse 40, the woman believed Jesus is the Messiah. She witnessed to others and others believed. 
She shared that living water. Jesus stayed in town for two more days. And in verse 42, the people said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. They are changed. The big takeaway for today is the woman at the well was changed. You can't come to Jesus without being changed. The gospel changes everything. And living water gushes out. We don't keep it to ourselves. Jesus sees you. He sees your struggle. He loves us anyway. He wants to use us anyway to grow his kingdom. All of us. Every one of you has a purpose. And Jesus quenches thirst. You and I are called to bear witness and are called to do, even, to do so even among those who are different from us, with whom we don't agree. Yes, even those whom we don't get along with. We are to love them. We, as a Christ follower, are called to share the good news, promote unity, and be the peacemakers. Let's look at this perspective of the woman. Do you remember a time you experienced being an outsider? I do. And it is not fun. Put yourself in her position, hiding behind a tough skin when inside you have the same need to belong and to be loved like everyone else. That barrier of her sin between her and everyone that sees and knows her sin. The barrier of her just being a woman in that time, a Samaritan. Jesus crushes that barrier. He chose her to be the one, to be the first person to see his true identity. Jesus crushes the barrier of skin color, of race, of gender. So what about worshiping in spirit and truth? Spirit worship. Spiritual worship, we focus on God and what he has done or what he's doing or will do. We should worship him in the spirit of faith, love, and holiness. God is spirit. We worship God in truth with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. We know the truth. We keep the truth. The truth of the gospel. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We come to the Father through Jesus. So no more fighting about where to go to worship, on that mountain or in the temple in Jerusalem, but any time, any place in our spirit, in our heart, soul, and mind. In a spirit of holiness. Can we be holy on our own? Can we overcome sin on our own? No. But because of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, we can. We can overcome sin because of Jesus. Faith is believing the word. The woman believes something about Jesus because of what he said to her. 
the people in the town believe something about Jesus because of the woman's words. Then they believe much more about Jesus from his own words. I wonder what Jesus would have said to them over two days that he stayed with them. We aren't told what he said, but consider this. What would we need to have Jesus tell us so that we would believe that he truly is the Savior of the world? What would we need to have Jesus tell us so that this belief would actually make a difference in our life? What would we need to have Jesus tell us so that we are so excited to tell others and invite others to come and see Jesus, the Savior of the world? Are you excited? I know I get excited, probably a little too excited if you ask my husband. (laughs) I love Jesus. I love telling people about him. Because of verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshiper will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Because of this, we know that Jesus changes everything. A time is coming and is now come. Because Jesus is here, we can worship the Father anywhere we, anywhere at all. In our heart, in our soul, in our mind, through the truth of the gospel. Through Jesus, we can be holy as he is holy. We can accept the living water and share it with others so they thirst no more. We can love others as ourselves, love God and love people. That is what we are commanded to do. Jesus calls the weak to be made strong in him marginalized to proclaim the good news. And he makes a way for us to be with God now and for eternity. Won't you take the living water that is offered to you? Be changed. Become a Christ follower. Share the water with others so they can be changed as well. Rita has one more um, wonderful hymn for us today to share. So when she is finished, you're free to go. We got get done a little early today. So please hear the words of this song and worship the Lord our God. And may God bless you real good.